All right, welcome to uh, next episode of Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks Dive Bars of Seattle. And uh, we've got this podcast here for exploring different dive bars, historical venues, historical drinking establishments here in the local Seattle area. We're documenting those live bars with a great backstory, interesting, interesting history behind them. But we're not just talking about these bars. No, no. We're coming to you live from the actual establishments. Creaky door. You hear it? Creaky yeah, door here. and all. That's right. That's See, not in yeah, you can tell. Room. Yep. Yeah, we're not bullshitting. So, for this episode, we are here at the Blue Moon Tavern in the beautiful University District in the northern part of. Seattle, just on the doorsteps of the University of Washington, where some, a lot of us are alumni. Really? Are you alumni? I am, aren't you? No, no, St. Mary's College of California. Brad? Of course I'm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. 50% of us. Come on, <laughs> keep up, Lou. <laughs> Is that even a real college, Lou? Is that yeah. like the University yeah. of Arizona? I've never like heard of that. No, it's a private Catholic school. Three week, three week mailing the Bay courses, Area. you get never your. Heard di- of it? <laughs> Seattle's like Bay Area light. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure All right. Well, a uh, good segue. Joining us, as always, to my left here is Sweet Lou and Stash Panda Brad. Stash Panda. Bob the producer. Jay Dizzle. Uh, <laughs> Jay Dizzle, apparently. And, um, yeah, we're here at the Blue Moon. Brad, I was hoping you could maybe give us a little bit of history of this illustrious drinking establishment that we're in, a very iconic dive bar in the Seattle area. This is a very iconic place, yeah, and I'm ready to drop some knowledge on you guys. Okay, so going back to the very beginning, this building that we're sitting in right here was originally an auto garage. Four months after the repeal of Prohibition, a man by the name of Hank Reberman purchased the space and converted it into a drinking establishment, opening for business in April of 1934. That makes the Blue Moon the first and oldest tavern in the U District. When it first opened, its clientele was mostly blue-collar workers and college students from the nearby UW. The tavern's working-class origins were best summarized in a quote from one of the former owners, Gustav Helthaler, who said, From its beginnings, the Blue Moon has appealed to those appalled by the men in gray flannel suits. <laughs> gray flannel suits? That's quite a quote, isn't it? Yeah. Gray, is, is that like men in black or what? Gray flannel suits? Gray flannel what? suits. I imagine like track suits, like jogging suits. What, what, what the hell is Well, gray flannel suit is like, you know, a nice three-piece suit. All right, That's what, all right, okay. Kind of three-piece man. suits. Well, say his name again. Gustav Klempt? Gustav Helthaler. Helthaler, yeah. There's, Helthaler. A, there's a good bar there's a good owner name. Bar owner name. Yeah. And, you know, the, the intent of the quote is, you know, guys in three-piece suits, this isn't the place for them. This isn't, you know, this is a working-class bar. Guys in the Sean John tracksuits, is not for them. Right, right. Uh, so when Prohibition was repealed in 1933, the Washington State Liquor Control Board was quickly formed and instituted a number of laws that governed the sale and consumption of alcohol. These were known as blue laws. One of the original blue laws was that no alcohol could be sold or served within one mile of a college campus. As it just so happens, the blue moon here... Are we like 1.2? 1.2, exactly. One mile. So it was just just out of that one mile stretch. out there with a tape measure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So they just barely squeaked in. So... Kiss me now, copper. Yes. So this became, obviously, 
an instant hit with UW students, particularly members of the football team. So you can imagine a bunch of drunken football players coming here. So they needed some, some law and order, right? So in order to do that, the owner hired local boxers Freddie Steele, Cecil Payne, and Doc <laughs> Snell to serve as the bouncers. And what about Doc Snell? Like when you picture a bouncer from the 1930s whose name is Doc Snell, what do you uh -huh. picture? I picture uh -huh. a brawny, bald dude with a handlebar mustache who's rated ish, you know. Oh, this is, this is a mob dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's rated to take you out. Don't, you don't fuck with yeah. him, he's gonna take you out. Yeah. Don't even look yeah. at him the wrong Concrete way. Concrete shoes, buddy. I mean, Doc Snell, that just sounds like a guy who's gonna <laughs> kick your ass, right? Well, the guy whose last name is Payne will <laughs> also too. kick your ass. <laughs> or Freddie Steele. Oh, I mean, that's quite a roster of names. Yeah. Which do you want? Doc, <laughs> Steele, or Payne? Or Payne. <laughs> I wonder if they let people decide. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> Who do you want to be fucked up by? Good <laughs> choice. So the original owner eventually sold the Blue Moon in 1940. And it has been under several different owners since then. With these different owners brought changes in its clientele over the years. Starting in the 1950s, the owners began welcoming an assortment of radicals, artists, writers, journalists, and poets. And the Blue Moon became a popular hangout for the beatniks in the 1950s, followed by the hippies in the 60s. With this, a number of different famous writers have visited the Blue Moon over the years. This oh, please, includes... Please be Kerouac. Please be Kerouac. Oh, he's on there. Really? Is there any others? Whoa. So there's Theodore Rothke, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, Richard Hugo, the Hugo House, we've heard of that, mm -hmm. Dylan Thomas, the famous poet, Allen Ginsberg, famous beat poet, mm -hmm. Jack Kerouac, mm -hmm. Lou, uh, Tom Robbins, you guys know who Tom Robbins is? Even uh, Cowgirls even Get the Blues? Yeah. 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 And Ken Kesey. Wow. Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters. Yeah. That's just... That's quite a roster. That's quite a roster. As a result of this famous list of patrons, the Blue Moon became known as the clubhouse for Seattle's countercultural scene of the 1960s. A popular story claims that sometime in the late 60s, Tom Robbins tried to call the artist Pablo Picasso in Barcelona from a payphone inside the Blue Moon. Supposedly, Robbins got through to Picasso, but the artist refused to accept the overseas collect calling charges. He <laughs> called him collect. <laughs> but he, I, I guess he made contact. That'll be $85. <laughs> <Yeah>. Click. <laughs> also, so Seattle's first kind of alternative weekly was known as the Helix. It started in the 1960s, and it was kind of like the stranger of its time. It just documented the countercultural scene that was happening back then. Here's what's playing at the movies. Here's the plays that are happening. Here's some uh, I don't even like think it did shows to go to. Poetry readings yeah. and, you yeah, know, slams. and essays about how the war's, like, so messed up and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, what you would picture from the hippies. Now, the founders of the Helix later founded HistoryLink.org, which I oh, write really? for as a contributing writer. So that was kind of cool. Look at those hippies. They got some shoes. They got their shit they, together. They, they know They're their history. now. Yeah. <laughs> by the 1970s, the Blue Moon had sunk into decline. At that time, it was owned by a one-time bartender, Fast Eddie McWinney. That's another great name, Fast Eddie McWinney. An another guy to kick your ass. You want <laughs> yeah. dark or, or like strong or steel? Take all or... your money. It's, to me, it sounds like a bookie. <laughs> fast Eddie McWinney. Yeah, why was he going wanna... fast? What was he fast at? I don't know. So anyway, its heyday as being the center of Seattle's counterculture had come and went. Hard drugs had replaced the more peaceful drugs of the 60s, and so it lost its luster. And most of its revenue, too. Developers wanted to, quote-unquote, redevelop the property into something else, 
But these efforts were curtailed by community activists, including Walt Crowley, who would later co-found HistoryLink. He was also the guy that founded the Helix. Thanks to this community activism, the Blue Moon survived. In the early 80s, the Blue Moon was once again up for sale, and once again there was talk of redeveloping the space. But luckily, it was purchased by a local outfit known as Three Fools Inc. Three Fools Inc. Inc. Just who you want owning your your property, right? But they refurbished the bar in time for its 50th anniversary in 1984. Nice. In 1990, the Blue Moon was once again threatened with demolition by a developer who wanted to purchase it and build condos. This generated a spirited public campaign to save it by convincing the city of Seattle's Landmark Preservation Board to designate the Blue Moon as a cultural landmark. The effort had broad public and media support, but the landmark designation failed on a tie vote on March 7, 1990. Despite its failure to secure landmark status, some sort of a settlement was reached with the owner in which the Blue Moon's lease was extended to 2034. So, Okay, so do the math, hippie. How many more years we got? 13. All right. We got another 13 years. All right. And so if it makes it... Well, here's the thing. If it makes it to 2034, that'll be its uh, 100th anniversary. Started in 1934. So let's hope it makes it. I mean, that that would be pretty awesome, right? Be here for its 100th birthday. To give the listeners some background, where we're at, this is what's called in real estate, highest and best use. We're on the corner of the oh, busiest yeah. arterials in Seattle and the freeway. Yeah. And this should be, yeah, this yeah. should be a 10 story, you know, 200 unit with ground floor retail right. shops. And it's a shitty little bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as I've documented, there have been a lot of developers over the years that have been licking their chops over, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. building just what you just described. I shouldn't say shitty little bar because it's beautiful, but to their eyes, <laughs> but the to developers their eyes, yeah. are like, you're <laughs> kidding me. This yeah. Home. This should be worth $500 million. God intended condos be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just hope it, it, uh, it makes it to its 100th year anniversary. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome. So some fun facts. Technically, the Blue Moon can no longer legally be considered a tavern since they now serve alcohol. But everyone still calls it the Blue Moon Tavern. Who cares? Mm -hmm. There was actually an earlier Blue Moon Tavern a few blocks from here on 45th and Roosevelt, and it opened about a year before this one. As the story goes, the original founder of this Blue Moon bought the sign from the original place back when he was setting us up as a bar, and he liked the design of the sign so much that they decided to call themselves a Blue Moon Tavern as well. So what happened to the other Blue Moon? They just, they like just went out vaporized? of business. Yeah, they opened right bar too? when they started allowing people to sell beer again wow. after that Colin Harrison Act I've told you guys about. Right. Uh, and they lasted about a year, and for whatever reason, they went out of business. But they had that original Blue Moon sign. So it was like dual tavern history merging. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The Blue Moon was one of the rare bars outside of the Central District in Seattle to serve African-American servicemen during World War II. The famous author Thomas Pynchon, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, who wrote Gravity's Rainbow. Did you guys ever read that? Mm, That's one of those like really dense, thick books that if you're smart, you're supposed to have read. Oh, gotcha. I had it on my bookshelf, but oh, they oh, definitely confession, didn't read it. I never yeah. read it. Uh-uh. No. Wow, this book's really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put it down now. <laughs> it was. It's one of those books. Uh, supposedly, he came here a lot, and apparently according to rumor, wrote Gravity's Rainbow, at least a big portion of it here in the bar. According to legend, who knows? But, but more importantly, what was he drinking? 
I don't know. But mm. as the book opens, mm. we should write the guy. It opens with He's a. He's the famous uh, recluse, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. He he did a guest spot on The Symptoms where he wore a. They put a paper bag on his head. Yeah, yeah, that's he's, him. He's never talked to the press. He's never done an interview. Him he, and the uh, the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye. Uh, oh yeah. Can't think of his name right now, but yeah. Salinger. 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 Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. yeah Another famous same. recluse. Yeah. So, yeah, that was his cool guest appearance. Like, yeah. he did one public thing, and it was uh, as The Simpsons, and they yeah. put a bag on the character's <laughs> head when they animated it. No, when you Google his name, there's supposedly one photo of him, but it's in doubt if it's even really him or not. But there's only, like, one photo of him on the internet of Thomas Pichon. Oh, wow. And, and nobody even knows for sure if it's even really him, so <laughs> he's really reclusive. He hardly ever posts on his Facebook account. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy. So that's the history of this place. What say you, gentlemen? Uh, we might have said a new bar, and that is pretty. That's pretty fucking cool history. I mean, that's a pretty cool that's wa- pretty roster of writers. And see, see what I did there? A new bar. Oh, I see oh, what you did no, there. Sorry. I see that, what you did. Totally there. accidental. Now that that was that was great. You started off by talking about how this place was just barely one mile from a university. Yeah. But what you failed to mention is that we are about a block from a church and right around the corner from an elementary school. So, <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's kind of wonky you know, liquor laws at the time. Yeah. We're, well, yeah. it kind of reminds me of some of the cannabis laws, right? Because wasn't that, I don't know if it's still the rule, but you can open a dispensary so many feet or miles or whatever mm-hmm. from like schools and stuff, mm-hmm. right? right? I don't know yeah, if that's yeah. still the rule, but probably. It, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah. All right, the band's coming in right get, now. Get the, the for the, get, get the door for the guy holding the big drums. The drummer's yeah. friend helping. Nice turquoise. Nice. Well, you know, that's actually, cool that, that's, that's an interesting point that maybe we should talk about. Like, this bar's closed yeah. right now. Oh, yeah, give some background. We, we, have, we happen to be here through the graciousness of the bar owner. Emma. But technically, Emma, yeah. technically closed. Not going to be opening up for another couple of hours, but this is the... F- from what I understand, first time opening in many, many months yeah. due to COVID and like complete shutdown. Right? Yeah, so, so we're we pretty, pretty epic moment right here. And kind of setting the stage for the listeners. So we basically have the place to ourselves, with the exception they have some musicians kind of rambling in and out, mm-hmm. setting up their equipment mm-hmm. for later tonight. But other than it's that, there's music starting in about three hours. We got the place to ourselves, which is pretty amazing. And we we opened the first tap. They put in a new tap. A oh, beer really? Tap and yeah. brand spanking new. Uh, brand Are you spanking guys, new and what you guys drinking? We're going to go there? Well, well I guess yeah. that's a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> what are we drinking? Um, well, get that. You got the first beer off the new tap. Th- this, is, this is pretty crazy, right? Like, you, you think of a dive bar, you don't think of a super swanky, fancy looking, what is this, 12 tap handle poles with shiny brass and stuff, right? Like, it. It's, yeah, I don't it's, remember it's, what they had before. It's pretty badass, but, it but it's it's a little a uh, little unusual for you know a traditional dive bar. So yeah, like bottle shop or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and yeah. I happen to know this bar because uh, one of my wife's best friends was a distributor for a long time for a company, and uh, mm-hmm. this is a serious beer bar. So he's always like, "Hey, I've got this cask of uh, this on tap. Do you guys want it?" And so you can always find these. They're always fully Killer. stocked. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you'll even find some once-off seasonals and some killers here. So it's a beer bar. They've yeah. always been serious about yeah. their beer. Yeah. At least since Bill. You know, we, we talked about that in the, in the other episode, too, that 
very much, it's very Seattle, right? Like, this is a dive bar, but there's some awesome yeah. fucking beers on tap, right? Like, this yeah. isn't like, you know, Schlitz and Bud Light and <laughs> shit like that. I mean, yes, they have uh, Bud Light at the very end of the tap, which, you know, good for them. They got some Rainier. That's cool stuff. But, but the, rest is, the rest of the selection brews. is, like, awesome microbrews, right? With, with a few beers I haven't even heard of. Before. Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and we, we started off, like, what you drinking? I am drinking... Um, Landwick IPA from Triple Horn Brewery, which, which is a, a, an amazing IPA it's that good, I yeah. have. I've never I heard of those. I, yeah. any of those words. Say them again. Triple Horn Brewery. Landwick. Landwick IPA, which I have never seen on draft anywhere ever. No, I haven't heard of it. So the fact, you know, fantastic beer. The fact that it, they got it here on draft is pretty fucking cool. And you got right? the first one. The first one out of the new taps. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, give me a yeah. sip. <laughs> Sorry, I just killed it. Cer- Cerveza <laughs> numero uno. And it had a really cool uh, draft handle, too, the beer that we chose. Yeah, for sure. It had kind of a Celtic design. but um, Here, give me a sip. Well, Landway. Should be a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what, what do you think? It's a yeah, it's a seasonal. It's rich. It's rich, yeah. Yeah, it's super good, though. It's yeah, so very fresh. Good. Like, that's like... Uh, yeah, very good stuff. Nice. What are you drinking, Lou? Uh, Jameson on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Good old standby. Yep. yep. And you and me, bunk. You on the Henny, me on the Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, wire reference for anybody. Bunk and McNulty. Yep. Yep. Why we cannot call this? Technically, cannot call it a tavern. Full bar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. What's uh, what's top shelf? Did you happen to check it out? Uh. It's kind of like a one-shelf beer. Um, Maybe there's like the Woodbridge Estates. In, in true, it's it's in mostly true, wine on the top true shelf. dive bar fashion. It's not yeah, top shelf. this isn't top like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I have a shot of the Pappy? Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, they're yeah. Like, there's no Pappy uh, Van Winkle here. This is, uh, yeah. Pappy. That's the kind of stuff you'd put in a safe. Heirloom. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes right. we talk about... Somebody say something. What's on the jukebox, but I'm looking around. I don't believe this place does have a jukebox. I'm pretty sure. I'm looking around. Um, there are not one, but, but two ATMs and no jukebox. No jukebox. No jukebox. But they have live music. They I do guess have live that's kind of where have, they uh, uh, right, right, make Just up outside of our view is a great little stage, which reminds me of a three-quarter scale crocodile. Know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? That's, that's actually a pretty right? good description. Yeah. 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 But that's another that's another that's another episode right there. Have you ever seen a show here before? I have. Have yeah, you? Many many years ago, Any, probably like good? a decade ago. Nobody I remember. Okay. Now. Yeah, just some some local band that was you know they were here and I didn't know they were playing and I was like what two dollar cover? Nah, I'm all right, I guess you know. <laughs> what about you, Lou? Have you ever seen a show here before? I've seen a ton of here shows. For actually, the first place I lived in Seattle was like two blocks down the road. You know, if you get off on I-5 coming uh, south, mm-hmm. and then it, you can get back on, or it turns into 7th Ave. Yeah. Was, I lived in a house down there. Okay. And so, yeah, so, I've been here a ton of times. So any any memorable shows, anything, like, awesome that you can remember, or were they all just kind of, you know... No, it's not like David Bowie played here, <laughs> Soundgarden showed I'm up. I'm sure at one point, though, like, I'm, I'm sure over the years, like, pretty cool artists have Actually, played here. if I'm being honest, they probably have, but... All the times I was here, it was like 
shitty band that couldn't go anywhere else, and they wait, just wait, need a place to practice. Wait a second. You're asking, you're asking us, Mr. Historian. You're supposed to do the re- research of all the, like, the epic <laughs> bands that showed up here, like, uh, off the bill, and, like... I'm not the music guy. Lou's the music guy. Oh, yeah, Lou. Yeah, that's true. No, it's <laughs> kind of... This is a starter place. Like, if you're a starting band yeah, and yeah. you need just a stage to play where yeah. nobody's going to give a shit, this is where you go. It's like the kind of shows you'd see at the Comet. Have you ever yeah, seen a show exactly. there, you know, like... But this place is actually kind of band. set up for a show. There's the whole area that Brad talked yeah. about earlier where th- this was a garage. You could see that was the bay door, mm-hmm. and they pulled the cars in here. Yeah. And instead of cars... Well, the cars played here? Uh, the cars. <laughs> <laughs> the cars My played here. My friends, girl. And Gary Newman played here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Singing yep. cars. And, uh, yeah. So, one of my first... Well, uh, it would be a dance floor if it were a stupid pool table. But yeah, like uh, in terms of, does this qualify as a dive bar, Jeremy? Well, you know, that, that's something we've talked about a couple of episodes before, and it, we'll probably talk about it many times again, yeah. ad nauseum for sure, right? Yeah. But, well, it, yeah, because there's some, there's well, some I mean, great, there's some great tactical stuff, right? Well, like, look at the tables. Yeah. This Take us, give been, us an experiment. You, this give is us not experience being refurbished. Here, I mean, you can. No. They've been carved into a shitload. Like, yeah. There's a. So many initials and carvings. And every there. table's like that. Yeah, we're, we're sitting in a, a hole of, not, of wood that's... These have not been replaced in... No, and it's, and it's a <laughs> series of boots, and every, and every boot years. is just plastered with years and decades worth of stickers that, you know, yeah, uh, Jeremy, people have plastered on here. What stickers are in our boot? Knickknack Records, uh, Verbal Tip Phased, oh, an old, old, old Budweiser, Budweiser sticker, which is yeah. pretty fucking cool. That's actually a, like a beer bottle label that somebody lacquered onto the, onto the table, which is pretty fucking cool. A shit ton of graffiti. Your phone number for a good time, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Which nobody has removed, despite the. Uh, let's see, My lock them up. In 25 years. Uh, vagina, vagina. Yep. Oh, Planned Parenthood sticker. Okay, cool. It's a classic joint. Yeah, very. Right. Code, code green. Yep. Some. Yeah. More recent pot stickers. I would say qualifies, in a good way. Dive bar, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like we we, been, we had a couple episodes. We talked about like, well, what the hell is a dive bar? And how do you define that kind of shit, right? But I was thinking, it's, what? This is it. Yeah, for sure. We're here. Been cleaned in fifty years. Yeah, we're literally. We are definitely here, without <laughs> question, for sure. But I wanted to get you guys' opinion on something like, instead of talking about like, well, how do you define dive bar? Like, what is a dive bar? I was thinking about like, what isn't a dive bar, right? That's a good question. Maybe it's easier to, to kind of define it if we say, okay, if you got this, you ain't a dive bar. Well, right? I, I think we should start out with we have. There has to be kind of like an age limit. Like, you know, if you opened a couple years ago, you can't be a dive yeah. bar, no yeah. matter how grungy yeah. and stuff you, you look inside. Yeah, you, what would you say the time limit has to be? At least, what, 20, like 25, 30 years? What's, what's the minimum before you can... And I think it's like yeah. 50, 60, 75. Really? Yeah, 50? yeah. Think about it. Tell me a dive bar that's less than 50 years old. I don't know, maybe. Ooh. They don't exist. Huh, I'm trying to think. Oh, we're gonna get some, we're gonna get some but yeah, I can one. tell you a little. Yeah, that might be controversial. Well, we, should, we should see if we can find some examples of good ones that are, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, in terms of the where we're at bar location, growing up in this, growing up, <laughs> <laughs> having moved here in my first Seattle neighborhood, you'd think the U District is, um, okay, I should do where we're at, right? That's a good segue. Don't break the place. Well, hold on. Let's, let's finish this conversation first about... Uh, the Lou. dive bar. Oh, 
Oh my God. That's going to have to be edited okay. out for technical difficulties. Yeah, we're here breaking the joint. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of our shtick. We come here, we drink, bust the shit up. Bull is like a... Get, get kicked out. Like a never bull in a never come shot. here ever again. Done. That's an episode. What do you want to do instead? Well, let's, let's finish our discussion about the, the dive bar. That whole issue. So you're saying 50 okay. years. Yeah, I said 50 years. I'm, I'm saying 40. I think you could still get away with being called a dive bar if you're 40. I don't know. This should be something we should definitely revisit like four, five, ten episodes later. Yeah. Where we've got some research under our belts. We've got a, quite a few cadre places we visited. Yeah. And we can like list them out. I'll, 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 make, a, I'll make a spreadsheet. I'll there make a spreadsheet. And we go. can talk about Excel? like the Are age. Use Excel? And, and totally. And we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna like list like okay, these places dive, yes, no, dive, 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 not, nah, not really a dive now. What's throwing that one off the list? And then we'll like, you know, get the ages of them, we'll have the full history okay. of them, and we'll we'll put that theory to the test. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I think that would be fun. Right? I like fifty. It's a nice round number. But I'm thinking I'm thinking we're gonna find we're gonna find a newer thirty yeah, ish so years so that yeah. still qualifies. Well, yeah, that's not gonna happen because oh. all of you you can look at our list, Barnoff, Solis, blah 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 blah. It's all plus fifty. The number's actually. 75. I mean, we're at the cabin. That's 100. Yeah. We were at Daryl's. That's, that's almost another 100. Well, 1920s. That's a problem. We are ageist. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you just won't see it in a city because anything that was built hey, in... newfangled bar. Yeah. Can't be too new. What else? So aside from the age, what else constitutes a dive bar? Well, this... What other elements have to be in place? This booth that we're sitting in, I just, just this booth alone qualifies... Right? Yeah, I totally, I agree. Yeah, I think you, so. You got you to you smell the wood. You got to look at the graffiti. You got to look at yeah. like 50 plus years of butt imprints in this in this, yeah. in this veneer here. Yeah. And like, mm, yep, yep, that qualifies. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also the, the literary hangover is around us. Like, uh, to describe it, this is a high-backed booth. It's all old wood, solid. It's about four feet high above your butt. And then on top of it is a mantelpiece, and it's stacked with books. Jeremy, read us some titles of the books up there. Uh, okay, let's see what we got here. How to Landscape Your Own Home. We got some, some how-tos. Uh, Too Much is Never Enough. St. Paul Michael Grant. Annual... What are all those black... 1973 numbers? Annual Maggle? Well, even better, they have a bunch of photos, I think, of famous writers and personalities that have been here over the years, over mm -hmm. the actual bar. Mm -hmm. Poets Market, Wonders of Italy, uh, Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine? Where do you see Mad Magazine? <laughs> it's the book of Mad Magazine, about the 60s. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. That's pretty fucking cool. But to me, there's something... Poets Market, yeah. There, there's, like, certain internal requirements that also need to be in place in order for a bar to be called a dive bar. Do you have to have a big collection of books in the dive bar? I would no, say no. No, most no, dive bars no, definitely not. This yeah. is more of a literary dive bar. This is a much more literary and, and, and probably... poetic. And poetic and cultured yeah. than your mm -hmm. typical dive bar. It's a, a little more cultured. It's a book yeah. share, too. I'm sure people grab these books and leave books. Yeah, I'm Let's sure. read a couple more of the uh, stickers on the wall. This one says, Lobotomies for Republicans. It's the law. And they were thinking that back 40 years ago because that sticker's so faded. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Timberlake Carpentry Rules, the bomb, 
no U.S. fascist regimes, capacity 99%, triple exclamation point, papas and beers. Yeah. Well, and also... These colors don't run the world, and it's a picture of the U.S. flag. And then another one says, Bolt, oh, Bush, and on top of it is an LL and an IT, so it says bullshit. And then you got a, I never thought I'd miss Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> with a smaller sticker put on top of it that says, I vomited. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this well, is I, a total lefty literary heaven. Yeah, yeah, it's for awesome. Sure, for sure. It goes back. And it started becoming that way in the 50s, you know, when the, the beatniks first started hanging out here. The other thing with the dive bars, I feel like, you know, the five second rule. Like if you drop something, you have five seconds to like pick it up and then oh, it's all good. Ooh, but in yeah, a dive bar, ooh. the five second rule goes out well, the window. You know, you know, there is like, there's a zero second rule, right? <laughs> but that, totally, it's totally agree. Forever. You and drop your wedding ring. Like, if, I'm sorry, babe, I lost <laughs> it. It's permanently stuck to that. I can't, I can't yeah. remove it. But if you, if you zoom in and look at just the floor, you might say, this ain't a fucking dive bar, right? Because, like you said, this used to be a garage, right? So what are we looking at? What are we looking at? Concrete, Concrete floors. Yeah. And what's super popular these days? Concrete. Well, cleaning and polishing concrete, yeah. right? Polished concrete, super popular. But this is OG clearly, concrete. Clearly, this concrete has been cleaned in the last you know, decade or so, yeah. which, I don't know, not, not so divey, but we'll, we'll give it a pass. It's yeah. actually pretty cool because it's almost black, which means you really don't know what the hell's on the floor. It looks like it could be clean, but it well, probably you have isn't. Decades yeah, of spills and who knows what else yeah. that have happened yeah. here. So, yeah. Desoto oil dripping on there in the yeah. corners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can, uh, from a real estate perspective, this probably will also require some environmental remediation. <laughs> is what they call it. <laughs> like you know, this was a garage at one point. There's a ton of oil that's yeah. in here. They probably had underground storage tanks. Probably. So, They're probably yeah. still here. They're probably buried yeah. under the foundation. But whoever's going to develop it will... Yeah, he's going to... That cost is going to be small relative there's gonna to be the some, billions uh, they make. Unplanned surprises once they start <laughs> digging this place up. Jack Kerouac's bones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what else, gentlemen? Anything else that, you know, you see in here that kind of screams dive bar to you? I think everything we just said. Yeah. The lighting's good. The lighting, little on the brighter side for dive, right? Little on the brighter side for dive, but it's still it's it's uh, historic looking. You've got some old-fashioned China, you know, lights and stuff. When if you look at the wiring, Not like there's intense, like a lot of extension wiring. cores, exposed wiring and yeah. stuff, and uh, yeah. you know that just adds to the kind of the ambience and, of the place. The, the ceiling. Okay, you gotta, it, we talked about the floor, right? Take yeah. a look at the ceiling. Yeah, what's the first thing? What's the first thing that screams out at you about the ceiling as a whole? Oh, all the, the wonderful decades, posters, man. Well, look at the Wolfman poster. Behind those posters, though, are decades of smoking. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, for sure, for sure. 100%. I mean, that those those ceilings used to be gleaming white at some point. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. they are. That's a great observation. Now they Jamie, are really, really brown. <laughs> To describe it, the ceiling here is covered with posters from movies that came out and the RKO monster movies that came out in the 30s. That was probably from a revival, but I mean, these posters yeah. are 40 years old, 50 years old, and it's this corporate, yeah, it was probably white. When did the no smoking in bars thing happen? Yeah, it was, was like 2000, late 90s, right? Late 90s, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it was like 97, 98. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this has not been remodeled as evidenced by the... Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and that's I guess that's another characteristic of a dive bar is that they don't change a lot. Like they don't like refurbish to suddenly be new and updated. Yeah. They they keep things intact from when they start until the very last days. And this is a good example of this. Because yeah, as these guys shit. have been pointing out, there's just layers of stickers and posters yeah, yeah. and, you know, different photos on the wall and stuff. And they've been Still here signs. all along and they're not going to change that. You only you only replace what and update what you absolutely have to, right? Yeah. Not, not yeah. because what you want to, because you have to. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, good guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They came in here to like get laid and they saw four nerds doing a podcast <laughs> and they're like talking about Yeah, we out. Yeah, we're out. Yeah, no, it's not open for business yet. <laughs> Go down to Earl's on the Ave. Yeah. Well anyway, so I think we covered that. So what is the next section? You want me to do where we're at? Sure. All right, we're in the wait, U wait, District. Wait. You had a winter warmer there, Jeremy? You know, let's get this on, let's get this on hot mic here. You, you ready? We're hot, baby. Um, okay. What, do you need to go to the bathroom or something? No, I so, smoke because I've had a drink and now I need to smoke. Oh, yeah. It's okay. All right. We're so, at the end. We, we talked about... What we, what, we, what we drinking? What you drinking? We talked about a little bit of once a tap with the fancy new 12-tap porn handle situation going on there, which is pretty fucking cool. But I, I just got a fanboy on the selection of beers that this bar has, which is very non-dive bar-y, but also very Seattle at the same time, right? Okay. So these guys got, and I, I even made a list because it's, yeah, it's no, pretty it's, cool. So This is a beer bar. It is totally, like it, totally, and and there's, I mean, there's few things on there I've never heard of in my life. Seattle's but Seattle's chock full of beer bars, but yeah. there's uh, there's always some that are above the, you know, what bugs the shit out of me is like a beer bar, like hey, we got fifty taps or whatever, and you go in, and it's the same old shit that you see at every <laughs> other fucking bar, and you're right. like, okay, great, right. fifty of the same shit that you know, whatever. Right. You come here, they got twelve beers, a couple of them are kind of you know Bud Light or whatever, and you what it, but the rest of the selection here is really, really good stuff that you're not going to find in other bars, which again, not real dive bar-y, but very kind of Seattle, and especially appropriate for the area, so it's yeah. awesome, so going down the list, we got, got uh, Bodhi from jo- uh, Bodhisattva from Georgetown Brewery, yep. which is not unusual, because Bodhisattva has just exploded over yeah. the last four or five Pretty years, you see it fucking everywhere, yeah. everywhere, yeah. same the thing with Manny's, we Manny's Pale Ale, right Bodies next to it, totally, right, yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. So, but, Awesome beers, so I'm not complaining, but it's just right. weird. The, those two beers, Georgetown has just exploded. I think the guys like know somebody, this slip somebody, some, some, I don't know what's going on, but. No, it's red hot. Bodie yeah. and Manny's Pale everywhere, yeah. so they got them. Yeah. We got a couple. the cranberry guy. <laughs> 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 right. And we also have something else that is very Seattle, but also very uh, timely a couple of ciders, local craft mm-hmm. ciders on draft, mm-hmm. which you're starting to see. Uh, no, no kombucha. Thank, thank God. No draft kombucha. <laughs> that would abs- that would absolutely kick it out of the dive yeah, bar realm. Yeah, I realm. think so. I think it would have okay. to. Yeah. But it's also something. It's like, well, we're in Seattle. Mm, I wouldn't, ex- you know, I'm yeah. not, wouldn't be surprised to see it. But yeah. mm, no. So, but we do not have here. a couple of ciders, right? Yeah. So, not all dive bars. In fact, I would say most dive bars not willing to put a cider on tap. We got two on tap here. It's cool. Very Seattle. It, it definitely a non divey kind of thing, but still cool. Um, Landwick, yeah, they're I, actually 
high-end cider. It's a good, oh yeah, totally. It's yeah, it's like a Woodenville and at it. Yeah, it's, it's good, good uh, local shit. It's like, yeah, it's not the, it's not the. Yeah, yeah we're not talking White Claw or nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good local craft ciders. Uh, Rainier, of course, which is a staple. Uh, the Landwick IPA from Triple Horn, which we talked about again. Really, really rare to see it on tap, even around Seattle, even in the you know quote unquote beer bars around town. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, not one, but two jellyfish breweries uh, on tap, which is um, another fantastic surprise. So jellyfish, not very common on draft. A fantastic local brewery. Uh, two of them on draft, which is those are I, I've cool never, tap handles. Did you notice that? Super cool. Super cool. Light up. Dragon's Two Staff from Elysian. So, again, Elysian, another great yeah, uh, yeah. A local Good success classic. story yeah. for, for beers. Not uncommon to see Elysian on tap. In fact, you know, Seattle, you see them all over the place. Yeah. Although Dragons they did sell out to uh, Anheuser-Busch. But. Right. But still, awesome beer. Not yeah. not unhappy to see them. Yeah, it's local. But it's Dragon's Tooth Stout from Elysian on tap, yeah. you hardly ever see. That's true. Hardly ever see, especially this time of year. Sometimes yeah. you'll see it, you know, coming, getting closer to the holidays and shit. So, that very, very, very cool. Um, also, Ten Barrel Pub Beer. Another mm-hmm. one that oh, is... Oh, yeah, Ten Barrel was at the last bar we were at. They were, yeah. right? Yeah. They had but the IPA there. Specifically, yeah, yeah. the, the pub, easier. the quote-unquote the pub beer, they're more like kind of generic, like these session beers were super hot for a yep. few years. Yep. But now we're seeing these kind of quote-unquote pub beers, which is essentially kind of like a session lager, kind of whatever. I was going to say, it's, they're lagers, right? Usually. Yeah. 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 Unless you're at the, the cabin, and that means you've buried some beer in your backyard, and you're going to ferment beer. and brew it in seven <laughs> days, <laughs> and have it ready for the people. Steam beer. Steam beer. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, steam beer. So, again, very timely, very popular, but you don't see a lot of them on tap, especially you don't see a lot of those on tap uh, at a dive bar. So, I'm a beer guy myself, so super happy to see all of those with the exception of Bud Light. Fantastic. Again, you could argue not really divey because it's just too good a stuff, too yeah. good, too local micros, sometimes nanos, right? Yeah. But uh, happy, happy to see it. I'll, I'll take it any day of the week. So you give uh, you give the lineup a thumbs up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Especially since they're brand new, nice, clean uh, lines as well. So yeah. That always yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Very cool. Nice. All right. So, so you want me to tell people where we're at? Where are we at? Yeah. Where are we at? We're on the corner of I-5, which goes from Canada to Mexico. And if it goes through Seattle, it's the only road going through here. So we're on the corner of I-5 and 45th, which is Seattle is, Denny is zero. So we're 45 blocks above downtown. And this is the major east-west arterial starting to the uh, east side. There's the University of Washington. Exactly 1.2 miles. Exactly mm-hmm. 1.2 miles. Yep. Then you've got the freeway. Then you've got Wallingford, Fremont, Ballard. And we'll be doing a show next week from Ballard. The Sloop. So, yeah. The, yep. this is, yep. the five boroughs of Seattle are U District, Fremont, Ballard, Capitol Hill, Queen Anne. Yeah. And West then Seattle. downtown is maybe a six borough, it, but it Seattle. doesn't count. What about Pioneer And Square? West Seattle for yeah. Bob. Come on, Bob. <laughs> West Seattle. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this uh, uh, Staten Island, right? <laughs> Staten Island of Seattle is West Seattle. But it's like incredibly beautiful and way better yeah. than Staten Island. <laughs> well, so, there's a couple cool old dive bars there that I'm sure we're going to oh, be yeah, visiting. Yeah, we got yeah. some West oh, yeah. Seattle Pogi, dive bars. Pogi Tavern. We got yep. Pogi. Yeah, yep. We will. Yep. Yeah. 
So yeah, when I first moved to town in 1995, this was the first neighborhood I lived in, which I mentioned earlier was right down the road. I think that's when I first met you, man. You were living in that house you were describing. Yeah. Yeah. In the U District. So at the corner of 45 blocks from downtown and the interstate is University Avenue, which is actually 14th Ave, but they don't call it 14th. It's University Avenue. And since it's the U District, which is pretty cool, like Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley, it's a geared towards college students. So when I first moved here in 95, there were four record stores on the Ave, mm-hmm. two movie theaters, yeah. the Neptune and the Varsity. Yeah. And it's basic and, and a million restaurants to eat for 6 bucks or less. Yeah. And Euro sandwich. Yeah. Euros. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, call them out. Euros, Mexican food, pizza. Thai food, big time pizza, big time mm-hmm. brewery. Yeah. Uh AAA uh Pizza Mart, triple, or Double A Pizza Mart. Oh yeah, like two large pizzas for twelve bucks. <laughs> I ate good when I was a student going there. Yeah, yeah, and just like good food too, like a lot, a ton of yeah. ethnic food. Yeah. It's killer. Mm-hmm. When I first moved here, I came here from a small town, and I came here to the U District, which was kind of a shock because I worked downtown at a professional job, so I dressed like a narc. I had a buttoned-up shirt and a tie, and I, I'd take yeah. the bus because there was no... I worked in the Columbia Tower, Yeah. Mm-hmm. and they didn't give... They only gave day parking to the executives, and so there's no place to park downtown. So when you're trying so to you score to weed, you're like, bus. hey, can I get a dime bag? And they were like, beat it, narc! <laughs> no, I wasn't trying to score weed, but it was the opposite. I looked like you a narc, and I was shocked by, like... Hey, everybody, welcome to Seattle. Here's the bus. And it was like, rock, weed, blow. And I was like, I look like an arc, and it's an opener drug market. Like, they're just asking everybody if they want drugs. And I was like, totally shocked. I came home to my roommates, and I was like, are you kidding me? The cops in this town do not give a shit that there's an open-air drug market on the Ave? This is the best city ever! <laughs> no. And that's when Lou decided to call Seattle home. Yeah, like, I am never leaving. Uh-oh. Well, that might be, Here we go. That might oh, be our... That's our call. That's our call. Your time's well, done. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was crazy, and I asked my roommates. So I was like, oh, my God, there's an open-air drug yeah. market. Are there no cops in this town? And he's like, chilled out, Winnemucca. There's actually <laughs> crime in this city. So they have real crime to deal with, and they don't care about the comings and goings. Oh, God, you hear the karaoke starts. So yeah, that's, that's our cue, I think. Yeah, wrap this shit up. Yeah. Well, I think we're getting, we're getting drowned out, so you want to, like, wrap things up? Well, Bob, what's it sound like over Sounds there? Like we should, yeah. it's not, they're, they're stealing our show. Well, so, you want to sing along, Lou. You know this one? <laughs> no? 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 Okay. All right, well, that's, that's probably our cue. We can wrap things up. This has been uh, Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, Seattle Dive Bars. Lou, Jeremy, Brad, Bob, as usual. Peace out. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next episode. <laughs>